From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, I'm glad we're, we had an uh, interesting conversation, and we're going to be continuing this today. So how are you? Oh, I'm doing great, Steve, and I look forward to this topic. So uh, I was what I was alluding to, and I should have said more clearly, is that uh, in our last episode, if you missed it in 68, um, we did a wrap-up of our Infocom 22 experience, and um, we thought that we were going to uh, do, dig a little bit deeper into the idea of the software influence in AV, uh, because it, it, is, uh, it was definitely noticeable at the show, and I think that... Uh, for this audience, it's important for us to, to um, really uh, bring that to light and uh, whether you were at the show or not. And, and I'm sure that we're a little bit biased, but um, there were certainly some uh, trends that were worth uh, talking a little bit more about in terms of how software is being looked at as an alternative to hardware, but also being looked at as an augmentation to hardware solutions. And, and really, and, and James, this is probably where um, you, you will be, get the, uh, be able to grin the most is it's, it's you know, we're, we're now gonna be looking at, you know, how is AV in the IT world in, from my perspective? Oh, definitely. Um, it, it, like I keep saying, AV is IT. Um, I, it, there's more to it and there's people who don't believe it who say oh just it's not networked like get away from that mindset that oh it, just because it has a nick on it it's it um because we can do software software is, is really came from an it background like software development and uh basically software drives the it industry um and it's now driving the AV industry because AV is IT. And, and in the past, software was, was either something that you used to configure or, or let's say program, and program is a, is a very uh, loosely used term, uh, different products, and, and then it was given its instructions and it was kind of left to, to be. And, and I, I don't necessarily feel like that's the way we're looking at software these days anymore. No, I, I, we're looking at software more as a it's a way of continuing our our daily jobs. So, I mean, our software is what does everything for you. I mean, I don't know about you or our listeners, but for example, my wife and I. When we do our shopping list, we use notes on our phone. It's a shared list between us. When we're talking about our account, which is software, when we do our family calendar, it's not a calendar hanging on the wall. It's Google Calendar software. Like you, you look in your view call nowadays, it's really touch screens are, and softwares are everywhere. It's software is really what's driving society right now. I think it's a, actually vehicle is probably a good analogy between what AV used to be and maybe where AV is probably going. You know, if you look at a lot of uh, the vehicles that uh, had different software, computer, I mean, every car 
has a, a computer in it and, and they're all um, based on uh, the technology is run by that computer, but how often is that computer updated? And, and that's kind of the old way of looking at software is you programmed it, you put it in and, and, it, and it just ran, but you weren't actually um, updating it until something broke or you weren't looking at how can I use software to grow feature set and provide added value. And, and that to me is where things are changing. And Tesla is a good example of that. I'm sure we're going to see some other uh, manufacturers go that route, but um, software in AV can be used as something that can provide uh, continuous value feature set updates and, and, um, expand, extend the life of products. And I'm saying that in quotes, uh, beyond what, uh, would be you purchase it and, and then it has it, a certain life cycle and, and you retire it. Yeah. For like, especially in higher education, we're always talking about life cycle of our equipment. You look at computers on end users desk or in the classrooms, you're pushing five years on those. When we did our AV, we always say, hey, we want a five-year life cycle on it. Doesn't always happen. Unfortunately, AV does get kicked to the curb. So sometimes it get pushed farther out. But yeah, I had this conversation with a manufacturer and I had this conversation with other people. When we get into software to find AV, my refresh cycle is when there's an update. It could be six months, it could be three months, it could be a year. But whenever there's an update, it's new. It's updated. It's that's when my refresh cycle is. And I do want to put in a, a little bit of a plug. If you if you like our conversation, you should be checking out episodes 62 and 63, where we spoke with uh, Patrick Murray in a similar vein about how uh, the influence of software in, in the AV industry and you know, for today's conversation, we're, we're also going to look at it from the perspective of uh, at Infocom, which is usually when manufacturers are going to be uh, promoting new products and new ideas and, and um, getting their, their clients excited about the future. We saw very little uh, new hardware, but we did have a ton of conversation about software, new features, and new compatibility and, and, and how software could be that solution that really takes this industry to the next level and, and also bridges some of the um, difficulties or that, that we've been facing because of the dependency on hardware. I agree. And software allows you to really leverage the hardware because really hardware is just that. It's hard until you actually use software in one way, one form or another to make it do something. Um, let's even like you're saying how, going back to the automotive one and Tesla. Yes, you got a lot of bells and whistles in these Tesla vehicles. But let's look at what was it? Was it three years ago when the hurricane came up in Florida? What did Tesla do? They sent out a OTA, which is over the air update to Tesla vehicles that allowed the 
the economic vehicles where you didn't charge as much or charge money wise as much to go further on their battery uh, because the battery can hold it the hardware had it but the software limitation was limiting because they wanted the cheaper model but because tesla felt it was important for these people to get away from the storm that they updated and allowed these vehicles to go further before needing a charge again hardware didn't change the software did that's a really great story too because what it what it does is it shows that you can make less skews and you could use software to differ, differentiate um I, I I didn't hear that story before, but that's uh, that, that's really insightful. And and um, one of the things that people tend to be afraid of are updates. So we should we should probably touch on that a little bit. And and um, and and I do want to talk about um, where what what this means for programmers. But but we we always lived in a world where if it's not broke, don't don't touch it, don't change it, and. I think that that is days of the past, especially for network-based products, because you do have to continue to, to update. One uh, most obvious reason is for security, but there's other reasons where uh, you, you can uh, make products run more efficiently, more effectively, um, and, and also turn on different uh, capabilities that may not have been either needed or um, may not have been critical in the past. So, um, what, what, what is your take on, on how we should approach, um, updates knowing that there is some risk involved? So if I haven't said this enough, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, sandbox environment. You, we have to have a sandbox environment. IT is very much sandbox environment. Nothing gets rolled out production-wise until it has thoroughly been vetted. And yes, there are things that get out there that are not fully vetted and have their issues. I'm not going to be ignorant to the fact of that. But really, AV, I don't think ever really got into that true sandbox environment where we can test things out and see if it's going to break. Like, how is this going to affect our bottom line out in the production where you can actually break it. You can push it to the limit, see where it breaks. Um, a prime example is, I don't know how many people know this. Um, I learned this from a, a buddy of mine who is a structural engineer. They design bridges to fail. And the reason why they do that is they can control the fail point. Yes, things happen, bridges do fail, but they know, hey, at this, you know, wait, this bridge is going to collapse. They know that. They can control that because they do this study. So they design it to fail knowing, and then they lower the benchmark to say, okay, there's an amount of weight that can go across this bridge. Um same thing with software. We need to design software to break. We need to push it to the, its limit to say, okay, here's its limit. Let's dial it back 10%. And this is how the software should work. The other thing I'll add there, because those are really great points and, and very critical. And I, I couldn't speak any 
uh, more uh, uh, strongly uh, than you have about the importance of a sandbox that you know you, you you test before you deploy if you start putting updates into uh, your your live environment you're you're going to have problems so be smart uh, that, but but let's also uh, touch on another thing I think that's important is that there needs to be that good communication I think between the uh, the software author and the client and understanding what what we're giving you what has changed and and what may be uh, a, an issue for you. So there, there, you know, I, I know that that, that sometimes involves airing dirty laundry, but it's important to understand why do you need to update this and where you may run into a problem if you have a certain situation, or if you haven't updated, you know, you've skipped a number, number of updates. So that I think good communication there being, uh, responsible and, and, um, understanding that this is something that is uh, could 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 be both a, uh, a a huge value, but also could be a big hindrance if it doesn't go smoothly. Oh yeah, I mean that open communication is very key. Um, now, I had this uh, kind of similar situation back at my old job. I was actually experiencing a issue with a device and I couldn't figure it out. I was working on it. And finally I got on the phone with tech support and I'm like, Hey, I am experiencing this issue. Here's the device. Here's the model number. Here's the firmware. Here's what's going on. And the second I said the firmware version, the guy's like, you're running that firmware. I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, well, that has the 90 day bug on it. I'm like, wait, what 90 day bug? And he says, well, every 90 days it locks up and you have to reboot it. And I'm like, that solves another issue I've been having. I, it wasn't one cause I never put it two and two together. Like we were having rooms that were locking up. We were reboot them. And then, you know, you kind of forget about it until about that 90 days period to hit up. And because we had so many rooms and they would lock up at different times, it was never saying, okay, every 90 days is, was locking up. And I was like, you know what? That's another problem I was having. And so, yes, having the dirty laundry coming out saying, yeah, you know, we made that mistake. Here is a fix for it uh, is important. It would have been nice if I got that in an email or a white paper or somewhere I could have gotten that information not on a phone with tech support dealing with another issue. And the bottom line is, is that it's better than having to wait for a, an RMA and a new piece of hardware coming in, you know, uh, in the mail and having to change an install. So, you know, surf, software upgrade is certainly a lot quicker and a lot less painful. However, there's still always pain involved. Yes. and. But that's where, when there is pain, us programmers, us tech managers, we need to take on that pain. That needs to be on us. We need to handle it. So our end, true end users are not experiencing that pain. Like this is a conversation I had with someone this other day. 
it has nothing to do with programming. It's just a workflow that's going on with the new job. Um, the end user does a certain request and way that happens, it seems to be very redundant on our end. And sometimes it gets a little confusing of where we need to be and what we need to do. And so I talked to the end user, got their workflow, understood what they're doing. I'm like, all right, now I need to fix it. I got to take it this pain away from my team and fix it without causing a change in their workflow. So I was like, we might be doing more heavy lifting on our end so we don't affect what the user is doing. Yeah, and, and that's always the way we need to be thinking, you know, user-centric solutions that they, they uh, we are not doing our industry or our clients justice if they have to be the ones that are doing more adaptation it's you know that that's where we we should be adding value and i think that's a great point uh, before we wrap up um what 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 should programmers know then about this new software um influence and is it something that um i mean obviously we both think it's exciting and we think that this this will provide opportunity um is there anything that a programmer or our audience or listeners need to know in order to, to be prepared for it or to, um, to, to properly embrace it? So we could probably look at this a couple of different ways, but way I'm going to end this one is almost what I mentioned in our last episode about getting out to trade shows, getting out there, as you mentioned, us programmers are typically more closed books to ourselves, hanging in the background. Unfortunately, now software is the forefront of our society. Us programmers need to be that voice. We need to be driving that ship and making that course adjustment. And that means stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping out of the shadows and getting out there, getting our seat at the table um, and making our voices heard. I, I, uh, I like that a lot. And I think that that probably leads into um, and yet another um, piggyback discussion on this, which is awesome. And, uh, and, and I think that it's important and, and really why we've had this podcast is, is to be able to clarify what is a programmer? Who, what do they do? What, what is their their impact? Uh, what, what value do they provide? We, we've kind of been thought of and put into a box and said, okay, I know that you are the one that works with the on a keyboard and does stuff that's on a computer and and things work but they don't necessarily understand a lot of times or has been the trend specifically what value can be provided, what knowledge uh, a programmer has. And, um, and also I'll, I'll challenge programmers to think outside of what you've been doing in the past and, and take both the uh, opportunity to be uh, lead the conversation, like James said, take the opportunity to be more outspoken. And some of that is happening online, which is great. Um, but also take the opportunity to not be complacent and saying that what got me here is good enough. I need to be, need, need to be thinking about 
what do I need to do to sustain my career and, and have the knowledge to be able to be in this conversation because the, the skill set has changed and, and it, that's a good thing. Uh, so we, we as programmers need to be ready for that and embrace it and, and then say, you know what, you, you, uh, you're going to need us more than you, you, you even know but it, it, it's a matter of embracing that. Yeah, it's about embracing it. And you bring up a good point is we cannot be comfortable. We got to get comfortable of being uncomfortable. Um, there's, that's the thing I've learned quickly in the AV um, vertical here is AV likes to dig their heels in and be like, well, you know, it's, this is how we do it. And this, we're not changing. Unfortunately, society is going to change around you. If you dig your heels in and get comfortable, everyone's going to skate around you and they're going to leave you in the dust. Um, as I tell people, I tell my team, I tell my uh, girls I train in soccer is the only person you should be better than is the person you were yesterday. So if you're not trying to push yourself and get better, then you are going to fall off. You're going to fall off and be left in the dust because you're not pushing yourself. And sometimes that means failing because that's when you learn. When you don't break stuff, when you don't fail, you don't learn. That's a great way for us to wrap this. And, uh, and I'll, I'm going to put a call out to our listeners. If you have some examples, you have some thoughts, if you agree, disagree, if you want to share some, some, uh, additional insight, please reach out to us. We, 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 uh, like to add that to our discussion. Um, we would be open to having, uh, a, uh, another show where we could continue this conversation and also include, um, more, uh, people on the show as guests. So please, uh, those opportunities are all there. And maybe this is a good way where you can show that you're going to get out of your comfort zone and, uh, and, and get uncomfortable. So please uh, reach out to us and, um, and we, we want to hear from you and build this community and, and be able to, to understand um, more who's out there. Um, James, how, how can people get in touch with you, um, know what you're up to and, and, um, and, give you uh, a shout uh easiest way to get in contact with me is uh on twitter especially on sunday morning with ab and am um but my twitter handle is ab underscore james king you can reach me out there um i also am on linkedin but i don't do much on there but trying to be a little more active i do the monthly article for the higher ed digital magazine the it and ATV column uh, Hepma, Davey Life. Again, Google me, you'll find me. And for me, uh, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. Um, Twitter and LinkedIn are probably the best places. Um, I, I really enjoy putting content out there. So we have this podcast and uh, another one uh, called The State of Control that I'm involved with and um, do some writing for several publications, uh, EV Network and Commercial Integrator, and as well as my company blog at controlconcepts.net. But uh, most important to us is that we want to uh, make sure that this is striking a chord and uh, providing value. And the only way we can do that is by the feedback. Um, so um, please uh, 
give us a rating review, check us out on uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so forth. And uh, we also have rebranded. So if you want, uh, if you haven't seen us, uh, check us out on video um, with our, our new logo. And uh, we have some stickers that uh, we ha had started giving out at Infocom. So uh, message us and we'll get you one. And uh, we, we'd uh, love to see you uh, post about that uh, as you've used them. So uh, we, uh, we're, we're glad to continue this show and, and, uh, the best way to do that most effectively is by getting feedback from our listeners. So, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And with that, this has been Ask the Programmer.